0: Welcome to The Creative Switch, the podcast inspiring the sensibly successful to switch on their unexpressed creativity for a more fulfilled life. In this episode, you can listen to a thought-provoking conversation with my guest, Penilla Hughes, along with her own Doubting Doris story. But before we get to that, I want to encourage you to head to my website, nickyvalence.com, and sign up to join the Creative Switch community and get involved in the creative conversation. First though, let's get to a nugget of creative news in The Edge. So what's in the creative news for this episode? Well, I've spotted an article in The Independent with the headline, Children's writing at Crisis Point as Enjoyment Among Pupils Drops. And it's based on a report by the National Literacy Trust. Basically, there's something going on with how children engage with English as a subject and a significant drop off in those who report enjoyment from writing in their spare time as they get older. Obviously, I can share the link in the show notes so that you can read all the stats for yourselves. But what I'm taking away from it is it looks like there is a drop off, not only in the enjoyment, but actually attainment as well. Of course, I know I'm biased being an author, and I've been a writer for as long as I can remember, and I can't imagine school or even home life, for that matter, without a love of reading and writing. I think if we're to encourage children to use their imaginations to write stories, and if we aim to stimulate their creativity rather than focus entirely on academic attainment, I'm sure both their attainment and a love of writing outside of school would trend upwards again. I'd love to hear your views on this, either in the Creative Switch community or on Twitter. And don't forget, you can find all those links to connect with me in the show notes. And I'm certain we will be debating this in the Creative Switch Facebook community. And don't forget, you can listen to episode two with bibliotherapist BJL Shah on the many benefits of writing. Now, school and English is something we discuss in some detail in this episode and with rom-com author Penilla Hughes. Hi, Penilla, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Welcome so much to The Creative Switch. I would very much like you to tell everybody what you do. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Uh, so, I'm a rom com author. I write for HarperCollins, one of their imprints
1: called One More Chapter. Uh, I have three books out. I am first and foremost a, a mum to four, but I started writing while they were at school. and. I mean, my youngest, my twins have just turned 18 two days ago. So I know technically I am mother to adults now. But yeah, so I write happy kissing books because those
0: are the kind of books that make me happy. And yeah. that's, that's what I do. Excellent. So lots of people would love to be an author. I'm an author as well. And there's a lot of people in the world who would dream of doing that. So maybe could you tell us a little bit about your journey to getting to this point and becoming the author that you are? Sure.
1: So I always wanted to be a writer. I thought I would be a journalist in my, sorry, my teenage dream. I'd be a a journalist in Manhattan by this point. But now I'm a a, a, a mum in the home counties. It's not quite the same. But I was then... It was when well, my, t- my career teacher told me that my writing wasn't good enough and it just threw me completely and I didn't write again for 10 years. And But then I went away. I did film and literature at uni. I read books and watched films for three years, which was fantastic. And <laughs> then I went into advertising because obviously I figured I could get freebies and who doesn't love a freebie? Uh, and I think the best I got was sta- status quo tickets. So, you know, that you know thrill didn't last long. <laughs> and then I went into uh, marketing natural history films for about 15 months and then I got a job at Ragdoll who made Teletubbies which meant I lived in Teletubby land for six months during the summer which was fantastic and then I moved to the international sales department but it was a very oh it was the loveliest of companies but from there I kind of started thinking of the idea of you know god wouldn't it be great to write something for kids but obviously I didn't know anything about it because I was busy I'd had my first child and then I got Pregnant with my second kid, and then within four months of having that kid, I had I was pregnant with twins, and it just meant I couldn't I couldn't go back to work. I couldn't afford no. to go back to work. So, during when my boys were uh, I think six months old, I felt my brain was shrinking, and I thought I've got to do something. And I thought, well, you know, from my time with the, working with the kids at uh, Ragdoll, I thought I think I have got a children's book in me, and so I signed up for a a course, an online course. Just really to have a go, really, but also just to keep my brain functioning because, lovely as little babies are, their conversation skills are rubbish, and uh, so I just thought do that, and that was good fun. That was fun, but in the process of that, I got two novelty books option because they very much encourage you to have a go and send out, and I think that was just to like build your rejection skin. Yeah, uh, But I had two touchy-feely books optioned by a company, which was incredibly exciting and validating that, you know, so, that suddenly, even as, you know, little children's books, then I could do something. And unfortunately, then the 2008 recession hit and those books are really expensive to make. So they changed their, that company changed their direction. So. Those books got nixed, but on the other hand, I kept my option money, so hurrah! And meanwhile, I was starting to try other books, like picture books, and and I, I would send them in and I'd get lovely rejections, which was heartening actually, because you know I was getting nice comments, but they weren't picking the books up and then I tried middle grade books and it was kind of as my eldest daughter got older I was <laughs> and also I was reading her kind of books going oh maybe I could do this and with each one it was a challenge yeah. of now write longer now write something longer and I would send them in I'd get more you know even nicer rejections and my parents got the Sunday Times. In there, there was a yeah. travel section. And yes. within the travel section, there was something called Confessions of a Tourist, with a little 650-word, slightly, slightly smutty kind of stories of people who had been abroad and had some clinch. And I thought, well, kind of deconstructed with them. I thought, I, I think I could do one of those. So I tried one, wrote one, sent it in, and they bought it for actual money. And it just thrilled me. And so over the next two years, I wrote 36 of those which they printed. And there were... Wow. Like, All made up, all under different names. And that really kind of, A, told me that I could write, which was great. But then I also saw on Twitter, it was a competition for an anthology, a women's fiction anthology of short stories. And it yeah. had to be set, it was called Sun Lounge, and they just had to be set anywhere on holiday. So I wrote a short story, I sent it in, and I came runner-up. So my story was printed in this anthology. And so at that point, because I am so slow, did I realize this was where my voice lay. And then and then it was really just, right, now, now you've got to do something full length. and And so that's what I embarked
0: on. Ah, so it's kind of almost incremental stages that your writing sort of developed alongside the age of your children in, in a way. Um, Very much
1: so. And I have to say, there are quicker ways to find your voice. <laughs> other other methods are available. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. I think probably I, the way I did it was probably set me back a good five years, but I learned things along the way. So,
0: yeah, um, yeah.
1: Because your voice and your tone are the thing that are unique to you. So of course. but it maybe dabbling, you know, still with the, the children's books meant I can mm. still retain some of my childish tone, still still seeing the fun in things, which I think is crucial to writing RollCon.
0: So a lot of the people who are coming onto the podcast, a lot of people who are listening to the podcast have done something else like you did. They started out in a sensible career, yeah, and then switched. So do you have a moment in your timeline that you think of as that moment to switch or was it much more gradual for you, do you think? It was really, I didn't have much choice.
1: I think it was a point where you suddenly have four little children under the age of five and you realise that childcare costs mean that you cannot Go back to your your job, and then you have to go and see the CFO of your company and say, "Right, I can come back off this maternity leave for fourteen days, and then I need to go back on maternity leave." Sorry, that kind of is a a bit of a sorts that for you, and then it's right. What am I going to do? Although technically, I'm you know Mm. I'm going to be busy enough for the next several years, just uh, keeping these little creatures alive. But at the same time, I knew I was going to need something for my own brain. Yeah. And then it was really, well, what have I got? What can I do? And my busking skills are really poor. I think I could only do that thing where I'd spray myself gold and stand really still. Uh, so I, the only thing I really felt was I want I want to have a go at writing a book, really. And at that point, mm-hmm. I just thought it was children's because yeah. that was probably my world. And I, you know I didn't think I could write grown-up yeah. stuff because I'd been told I couldn't. So I think from that point of view, it was kind of the – it was a hobby. It was a hobby, actually, at that point, really, yeah. because I had this yeah. other job um, of of looking after the kids. But then, gradually, with all the nice comments, with all the nice rejections, I I was beginning to gain my mm. confidence that I mm. did have some skills. And then, yeah. when it came to writing a full book, I got my agent. It wasn't. It wasn't. It didn't take that for me. Yeah, it, it was. It wasn't straightforward, but I it didn't take me that long. And then. It, took me uh then we did another rewrite on the book and then I got after six months on on submission I got my publisher so I'd say it kind of was a natural progression but it was a forced situation yeah. anyway
0: yeah yeah so the initial point was not really a choice um no that was but a life change So I think it's one yeah. of those it was
1: a life change thing where it's a look around yeah. and then see what you need and see what you can do and how yeah. what do you fancy doing with that
0: yeah yeah yeah. So, was there a point when you were um, prepared to call yourself a writer? where you sort of confident enough to call yourself a writer? Did that take a little while as well to the confidence to kick in?
1: There was ages where I would just say oh, it was just a hobby, It's just a hobby. People say, people say, what are you doing? And they say, oh, I'm just, I'm just writing some things, and that. it's just a hobby, it's just a hobby. And then I kind kind of sat and thought, well, hang on a sec. I write, therefore, I am a writer. So yeah. I I divide it in my head that if if you write, you're a writer. If you have a Publishing contract, they're an author, Uh, and that's how I split it in my head. So the moment I had my contract, then that I thought, and also, or maybe yeah, once I had a published book, I'm definitely an author. And there comes a point where you have to fill in some form, and it says occupation. Normally, I would just write mummy across it, and and now you know that first time I've writing, no, that was a conscious write author. Put it down. You're an author. Own it, and that made a big mental change. I think really, but no, I think anyone who writes is a writer, and that's. But it's, I think some might say that as me being snobby, but I, I think there's, there's a difference, you know, there's one, one yeah. is an at, actual role, a job, and one is a kind of a, a lovely creative joy, you know, yeah. and, and you can be both or either.
0: Yeah. 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 Okay. So that's a very good segue into my next question, really, which is, I want to know what you think creativity is. What is it to you? What do you think it, it means to society? Let's have a chat about creativity. Ooh, okay,
1: small one there then. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. We've only got me, half an hour. So. <laughs> yeah, creativity for me is, I think, probably unleashing the things that make my heart sing. If mm. when my words are happening, you know, it, I, it's almost like a chance state. And, you know, mm. to really, I my books come from dialogue in my head. And so to be able to really unleash those is just, I think, it, I can't sing. I'm such a poor singer. It's like deflating bankpipes, really poor but i can see when other people sing there must be this utter soul soul joy you know and mm. i i cover that i really do for me when the right the words are really flowing that same state is mm. just joy so mm. the creativity there is just putting out you know bringing out the things the thoughts the the things that are connecting in my head for the world i would say if you have thousands of people sending into the world the things that make their hearts sing how can that not make the world a better place yeah. how can that not garner conversation and to bring happiness and of course there's some creativity which is really showing a mirror to society and showing its bad parts but at least it makes us converse and talk yeah. about it and mm-hmm. maybe think about being better and you know also creativity I get a real bugbear on twitter when i see things about the arts being closed down at university and i think you mm. need the arts you need the arts because for the three for the freer creative thinking yeah. that then technology can take further and it yeah. seems such a short-sighted view to just go let's have all the stem and i'm not kicking stem really where would we be without you know people from way back in 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 history not having these what would have been Bonkers, bonkers, creative thoughts, and people go, "Oh, it never happened." And lo, you know, they come to pass because yeah. some fruitcake had the idea in the first place and didn't have these boundaries to to say, yeah. "Oh, oh no, I won't do that because we don't do that." It's like, no, no. If you can think it, then maybe one day somebody can do it, and to use that to make solutions to make you know people's lives better, or just to bring joy. I mean, I don't think mm. for a moment that my rom necessarily changed lives but i do know that people have read them at really dark times in their Mm -hmm. own lives and it's just brought them a smidge of happiness and if my writing can do that oh my job's done you know if i can make people smile when when their dad is dying which has been the case then i think you know what i'm i'm done i've i have done my thing not everybody can contribute to the world you know a, a massive massive invention there are yep. little school inventions that can happen as well that Definitely.
0: affect people. And I think that's a, a fantastic thing. Totally agree with you. And I think we ought to really look as a society at that balance between mm. all the different disciplines. I think my schooling, I was very, very fortunate that both the school, both the, the infant junior and the senior school that I went to, had that, not just because it was of that time when there was more freedom for the curriculum and wasn't yeah. so sort of tied to academic achievement not just because of that but because they were just exceptionally good at exploring all those creative outlets for people yes so i think that if we could get that even just slightly nudge the, the dial back the other way and and stop withdrawing these services from from uh, from the curriculum or even not even the curriculum but just Availability and access to them for everybody. I think that's something that bothers me a little bit. Is that people still can access them, but it's it's the slightly more privileged, you know, extracurricular that you have to pay extra for. Oh yes, the money um, is- to give these children a chance to be exposed to these things. Because how will they know they're interested or good at them unless somebody? You know, oh, absolutely. I'm sure there's Olympic
1: skills. I, I never know that i you know, I'm not a sport at all and I'm sure, but, you know, unless I've tried polo, then how would I know that I am the world's best polo player? You know, I, it, it's, yeah. it's its ability and, and opportunity. And, and sometimes mm. that is just luck or, you know, who you're born to or also that sense. I think it's recognising that everyone is different and that we should play to our strengths. And there are yeah. kids who will never be able to do numbers, uh, but they are incredibly talented at something very very creative well they should just be allowed to fly in those areas and I Mm -hmm. think that's that I've been filled with horror with the idea that we should all do maths until 18. Oh I I know. And why would you do that when actually those some of those kids who will then be forced to do that actually could be incredibly useful in some Mm -hmm. other uh, discipline and Mm -hmm. so if we Take the view that we are all different. And then this is another bug my bugbears. We are all different. And, you know, whether that's men and women, but we have different strengths. And yeah. why rather than just to make us a homogenous being uh, yeah. that we all handle. And I see for for budgeting that makes more sense to treat everyone as one. Actually, that, that makes no sense yeah. in the long run because we are all different and could work together as a much better team if we recognize yeah. that and yeah. play to our strengths.
0: Yeah. And I think giving people to the chance to explore, the chance to have a go at lots of things and tap into the perhaps the ones that they feel most joy from, yes, is the yes. is the starting point because as you say, you know, you're started as a hobby, yeah, and I think a lot of people aren't blessed with a vocation or some kind of epiphany that at the age of seven they realise they want to be an artist or an actor or whatever and actually even if they do they then have to be a certain sort of personality with all the right environment around them to be able to say well I don't really mind what anybody else thinks I should do I'm going to oh, do this anyway you know so I mean hard. Yeah. people who, who are in that situation I think are blessed um, yes. because you have to ignore everybody really
1: oh, <laughs> and just go and do that? it you know, yeah. yeah. how many parents turn around and say, "Oh, well, you know, yeah, you can't be an actor because really there are so few jobs, and what are the chances?" There's a difference yeah. between being Harry Potter and someone off, you know, the third, the third ill person in the bed in Holby City every week. You yeah. know that there's differences, and not to belittle that role either. Sorry, uh, but it just to so there's you often get more adults or sensible people who are really try to kind of make it clear of what the reality of the world is and they, they quash dreams and mm. I think from the experience I had you know just to be able to say right that's a great plan a we'll hold that one that's the one we'll work towards we are going to have a plan b as well and we'll carry you know that keep on the other back burner but keep it bubbling it's just a much better way to bring kids through and say, you know, strive for being this nutso idea that you maybe want to have, but actually we'll do this other thing as well or just to consider. And that's okay too because sometimes you do need a plan B in life and to know that having plan Bs is fine too.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So from everything that you've learned about your journey, I wonder if you could answer this question for me, because a lot of people are asking me, okay, so I have my hobby and I really love it and it beads my soul and it makes me feel really great. And I worry that if I did that as a job, turned my writing into being a published author, that then the joy of the creation would disappear. How do you balance the two so that, you know, there is a commitment and deadlines, but also to still tap into that creativity for its own sake?
1: Yeah, it's quite a hard one, actually. And I'm talking to you now at a point where I'm actually blocked, uh, as in I have writer's block and have had for a Mm. bit. And I think that's a combination of various things going on in my life. But I also have to consider maybe that's a case of I've written three books now and I see that it's pretty hard work. I mean, it's not difficult. Well, no, it's not difficult. I'm not saving lives or anything. It's not, uh, but at the same time, it is a, a lonely job. You're sitting in writing 90,000 words, then editing mm. them. And, and it, it can be quite tough mentally at times. And so I find myself at a point where I go, right, do I want to write another book? Because I've done it in a way, it proved that I could do it. But at the same time, you know, have I taken all the joy out of it? I think my last book, um, 10 years, I wrote during lockdown, and that was a tough time to write. A funny book because mm. my God, it's hard to find levity in anything when life is a bit of a, sh- a shambles outside. So that was tough. And I think probably that took it out of me as well. So I'm having to unpick at the moment whether what's going on with me? Why can't I write? Is that because I have not a good idea at the moment or is that because actually I've made it into work for myself and so taken the joy out of it? But I kind of think I do know I want to, to still tell stories. So what I'm doing is now surrounding myself. So while I don't write, I market my books. I do have a publisher, but you know, I can promote my books better than anyone else could pr- promote them. They have the, yeah. the mailing list and all the clout, but on the other hand, I talk about my books better than they can. But Equally, I surround myself with bookish things to kind of rejuvenate the joy of storytelling. So yeah, I think it's t- absolutely absolutely possible. And because I've 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 seen it, you've turned your hobby into a job, and then actually there's a risk, like you say, that it now it's just become a job. But then I think it's down to you to if you if you feel you want to carry on, really, you then have to make that exciting, just as if you're in a job and you yeah. seek promotion because you want new challenges. So maybe it's a case of, you know, I've got a couple of ideas which I think would lend themselves better to a screenplay. Well maybe I part mm-hmm. the novel right just for a little bit. I'm out of contract at the moment. So there's nobody particularly that I have to I hand anything over to, I could maybe try just as in those early days when I was learning my craft um, or starting to learn my craft. I hadn't learned my craft by any means, but I was starting to learn my writing craft. I can now maybe think about, well, maybe why not write a screenplay for a bit and then see where that takes me. Or you yeah. I think you have to keep things fresh for yourself or you find yeah. other avenues that suit you, seem challenging to you, or can reignite the interest for you. I think you still have a responsibility to your career joy just as if you worked anywhere else I think it, the days of going into a job and then sitting there from 18 <laughs> through to whatever it is you know people retire nowadays if you sat there for the, all those years and go I'm so bored well I'm sorry but some of the responsibility is on you to either find a different job or do something within your job to make it appealing to you I think yeah or maybe that's a really privileged way to look at it and and possibly it is and but I just think that you still have a responsibility to your own self and brain to keep it stimulated in a way that can bring you some contentment not necessarily happiness that you can you can still get up in the mornings and think yeah this is the job I do I'm
0: I'm content with that yeah I totally agree with you I think There are lots of things you can't control in the world. And the one thing you can control is how you feel about things. So I think if you acknowledge, if you you do a little bit of introspection, hopefully not too much, because I think it's it's always better to try and look forwards and see what's going to happen next. But if you do a little bit of introspection and you understand that maybe it's just a timing thing, maybe there is too much else happening for Fair you to say. do that job properly. But yeah. that doesn't mean you can't think about it in a different way or, as you say, explore different ways of expressing that creativity to reignite your connection with it. And no one can say that you're not an author because you've already done it and you don't have to carry on doing it. I sense that there's more there. It's just that you're not quite in the right place for it I, to come I out. think it's that. And that's what I think I've
1: come to the conclusion of, is actually just that this point in my life i've got children in a levels which has my brain completely tied up i'm menopausal means i can't make any decisions which when you're plotting is really quite crucial yeah. um just all different things you know my my kids are about i've got three kids about to go to, hopefully if all goes well going to university at which point my role as a full-time monk is which was my job has now gone yeah. so now i need to really just reassess where i'm at and with all those things going on To then suddenly being able to like kind of, I don't want to be forcing out stories because then I wouldn't find them true to me. I want to find, have the joy in the writing. Maybe it's just right. I need a little hiatus now to do this other, these other things. I had three books which are, you know, technically passive income now because they're working away from me. Yeah. So now I need to just take stock, work out where I'm at, let the turbulent things just happen. And then when it settles, then come back at it. And I think we have to allow for that in our lives if we possibly Mm. can, especially with creativity. I think forced Mm. creativity just becomes a bit of a horrific spiral as you try to force it. What you get, you don't like, or it doesn't come. You then beat yourself up about the fact that it's not coming. And then you're watching Twitter and you're seeing... People put out eight books in the time that you haven't put out anything, and that just that just becomes this horrible spiral. And there comes a point you think, no, i just got to step away from that.
0: Yeah, I think that reconnection, that spark, will happen. I think it's a bit a bit like there's a film, one of my favourite films. Uh, it's a RoboCom as well, so I don't know if you might might have heard of it. And it's based on a book, which is always the other way to do it is to turn your current books into screenplays. <laughs> but it's called Under the Tuscan Sun. And it's a really lovely film. Funnily enough, it's obviously got some American influence to it. And of course, when it's filmed in Tuscany, it's not just in Tuscany; it's all over Italy. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. We accept, and they're not in Tuscany Tuscany. at all. Yeah. (laughs) Now there is some bits in Tuscany, but it's so funny. (laughs) But in that, there's a character that's talking to the main character, who's feeling very down on herself because she can't find the right person in her life. She's on her own. She's she was divorced completely out of the blue. She wasn't expecting that to happen yeah and this new friend that she's met is a little bit eccentric and she says to her just go out and live and stop yeah. looking for it and she said there was a time when I was young and I was I love ladybirds they call them ladybugs and I wanted to collect them and they, I could never collect any and then one day I fell asleep on the grass and when I woke up I was covered in them and yes. she said, that's what you got to go and do go and live life and it'll come
1: <laughs> I completely I just, completely agree with that I, I know that and, and when I see you know, in younger days when, when my friends were like looking for a boyfriend, it was like, stop looking. The main, the yeah. moment you say, oh, I hope I meet someone tonight. You may as well stay in because it's not yeah. going to happen. It's when you are not looking and yeah. you know, what you can do is just do your thing. And then while you're doing your things that are of interest to you, somebody who has shared interest may cross your path, you know, yeah. because yeah. you're just busy doing your own thing. And yeah, it is definitely stop
0: looking, build it and they will come.
1: It's a bit like to
0: It is definitely I mean you shine I think when you are in touch with that part of you and it is just for your own benefit that soul sort of enriching part I think it shines out of you and that's people are attracted to that because they know that you're they don't know because they don't know what you do and they don't even know who you are but you you know it somehow shows on the outside I think. (laughs) I think it does, and it also shows an element of not self-containment, but you're you're happy to do a thing that's just
1: for you. It it, it mm. doesn't say needy, it doesn't say I'm looking for an attachment, it just says I do this thing, and I think you mm. have a, a kind of a gradually you know a confidence within I do this thing, it's for me, and and I think people are attracted to this. There's an element of that, oh how do they do that? You know, I, I think that is a is definitely a thing that people are interested in,
0: mm. yeah. For sure. So you touched on it earlier, and I guess what I'd I'd like you to do now is explain a little bit more detail. A moment that meant that you didn't start writing, you didn't choose that path until later on. And it fits in with a feature that I have got in both the Facebook group that is attached to this podcast, which anyone can join, we'll put the link in, in later, but also in terms of a segment that I'm going to be including, which is called Who is Your Doubting Doris? And you inspired this, I have to say. You're you're the you're the inspiration <laughs> for this segment. Because when we met and we were chatting, you talked about this moment in your life. So tell me about your doubting Doris and, and what happened and how you feel about it now and maybe some advice you could give to people if they have a doubting Doris in their lives yeah, so I did touch on it earlier and and uh, but I can't really you know, I couldn't really tell you
1: how I got to where I was without it because it was so pivotal really in in that way. So I just always thought I'd be a journalist. I hadn't really thought very much further about what kind of a journalist I would be, but I thought, you know, I'd write about stuff, that was probably as far as fifteen year old <laughs> Penella had really got into it. And this woman was my English teacher, but she was also a school careers teacher, and she mm. just said very, very well well your your English isn't good enough uh, to do that. And that was kind of where it got left. And it was, it, and again, I, I think this, I just hope that nowadays she's saying, okay, have that as a plan A, but let's look at plan B. Or she could have said, right, okay, interesting. What kind of journalist would you want to be? Are you mm-hmm. looking to be like kind of a literary, high hitting investigative journalist? Or are you looking to write for more magazine? Or are you looking to do this? Or we could just have like examined all the different ways of being a journalist that one could be. And seeing where actually where my English as she, and standard that she, as she saw it could have fitted because I do write with a very certain tone and that mm-hmm. could possibly have really suited magazines way, way better than uh, and could have really taken me off on a completely different path. Because after that conversation, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I was yeah. at a point where I was picking A-levels and beginning to think about what to study on. And I was in a flat spin and I had no idea. And I, I really didn't write for 10 years because I took her word. And at the same time, I know there are people who, my husband, we are chalk and cheese. He he, you know, he was told he'd never be a good high jumper. Well, he made it, but he took that and went, I'll show you. And he you know, got to county level. So, yeah. you know, it was national level in fact. And so it was just like kind of, Hmm. really I, I'm not that person you know if people hmm. criticize me if, if there's a bad review that is the review I'll walk around with in my head for a day as opposed to the lovely reviews I'd, and maybe that's very common to writers we're the ones who go hmm. home and go oh I should have said this instead and that's what yeah you
0: know,
1: kind of feeds a lot of writing is the things we should have said in response to the thing and I should probably have said yeah well we'll see but I didn't. I went. Oh, all right then. But you know, I did a course which I loved. I read books. Mm-hmm. I watched my films. I met my husband there. So maybe you know these things. I, I am very. I do view fate as being. Sometimes you're not supposed to be doing what you think you're doing. You're supposed to be somewhere yeah. else. And I can track that throughout our lives. That things that at the time seemed like a bit of a disaster or didn't seem to be what we wanted actually turned out to take us to where we are now and actually that's been to the good and I'm very keen for my kids to understand that sometimes we just because we want things doesn't mean that they're what we need in the long run
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so I, I think there's an element of that so coming back to my Doubting Doris I would say that yeah she to not then write for 10 years like you know the lost years where I look at other writers who have started way earlier than me and my book wasn't published until I was over 40 you know I look at other writers who have been writing probably in the 20s and 30s and their careers are much longer. They've got more books out there. They've come come at it with maybe more energy. But on the other hand, I've learned some things that I can put into my books. And could I have fitted in writing books while my kids were really tiny? No, I don't think I could have written full-length novels when four of them were really, really small. I don't think I could. That would have been horrific. But so, you know, looking back, yeah, the time was fine. I do, you know, sometimes, you know, you have those little day What You school ask me if I come back and I give a talk to the sick form about, <laughs> uh, well, that would be an interesting one. You know, I don't think I'd be able to not say, I don't think I could yeah. do it really. Uh, so, I, yeah, I think people should, especially people in those kind of positions really need to know the influence and the yeah. impact they can have on what. Would be she won't even remember. She won't even remember. I know she won't. But they're they're hugely impactful. The yeah. things you say to young people in those days, and I think there's other ways you could do it and be supportive, even though you are maybe still pushing in a slightly different direction. I think there's a, a different way you could do it to sort of accommodate
0: people's dreams. Yeah, I totally agree with everything you said. You can't know what would have happened differently. I mean, my my first novel, it's all about women in their 40s reviewing the decisions that have got them where they are because they have to yeah. make another big decision. And the way they approach it is determined by all the things that have happened before because that's that's what life is all about. Absolutely. Um, so you can't really know. You might never have written any novels at all no. <laughs> if you'd started to be a journalist because you would have found that that was the thing and it satisfied that. That Absolutely. Maybe right. so, those words would have been you know,
1: enough.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So no, it does all take you in
1: different directions. I think there's less brutal ways of it happening, maybe. Um, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but, you know, I think with every choice you make, there may be regrets and doubts that come tied to them. And that's the point of a choice, isn't it? That you sometimes have to close a door on something else. But then maybe later, it's being then open to the, I'm very bad at, change on a small level on things you know that i could be in control of but in terms of life i'm just Mm. quite open to change things that i have no real control over you know they happen and we roll the punches and we see how we go and i think maybe from a stance now that i i can look in back in hindsight and say yeah that led to this led to this led to this even though at the time those things Mm. were not what I wanted and so with that benefit of hindsight I think actually going forward I can say well okay well let's see what comes because sometimes it's just out of my hands it's supposed to be I'm supposed to be somewhere else I'm supposed to be doing something different and like you say with your characters they are they will then look back on they will then their past experience will inform their way to handle this new change
0: yeah exactly well, I think we've, ne- we've nearly run out of time, but I just wanted to ask you, you know, do you have a website? What's the best way of people finding your books? What If they want to connect with you, where do you spend most of your time? Oh, so I
1: am just about everywhere. A complete media slut. I <laughs> have a website of my own, com. but then I'm also on Instagram, Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I don't do much there. Instagram is probably where I'm most, or on Twitter. Mm-hmm if anyone would like then there is a free story on my website which you can download if you join my newsletter so you know I'm
0: try all you buy thank you so much for your time hopefully in seasons to come you can come back and tell me about your new creative adventures whether it's a, a screenplay a new screenplay or a screenplay of one of your books or a new book i'm sure there's more to come thank you so much for being here Finnella, and speak to you soon maybe thank you for having me it's been absolute pleasure Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Creative Switch. If you enjoyed it, please leave a review over on podchaser.com. And if you've got any questions, please let me know on Twitter at Nikki underscore Valance. I do hope you join me and my next guest, Palumi Debnath, founder of Handmade by Tinny, a sustainable, modern textile design brand that creates unique wearable art and she talks about how she didn't want to choose between her two loves. And remember, why survive when you can thrive?